Welcome to this week's podcast from Gathering Place Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, please visit our website at gatheringplacechurch.com. Now you can be seated. But I just want to read the Word of God to you. I want you to be encouraged by a story I love, a story of prayer. We're going through these talks of chair time, of taking time to spend in the presence of God. This morning, a powerful weapon. If you've been at this church any amount of time, if you follow God, how many of you are thankful? Show me your hands that you have a prayer life, that you have a hotline to heaven, that when you call upon God, he is there, he hears your prayers, and he wants that hotline not to be blocked, but that it's a connection between you and him. It's a heart-to-heart relationship. And this morning, we're going to look at a powerful passage of Scripture that I believe is going to encourage you. It's going to take, you're going to see a story, and the title of the message, if you're taking notes, is going from brokenness to blessedness. Anybody thankful that God doesn't leave us broken, but he heals us and he takes us into the promises and into the blessings of God. If you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you don't, we have a big Bible on the screens behind us. Look what the word of the Lord says this morning. It says this in verse 1. There was a certain man from Ramathium, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name Elikasan of Jerome, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, one who was called Hannah and the other Paniah. Everybody say Paniah. Paniah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, everybody say year after year. This man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Paniah, and to all her sons and daughters. Hear this here. Here's what's amazing about Elkanah and the story. is, But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Verse 7, this went on year after year after year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. And in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. 
Eli thought that she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away the wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied, for I am a woman who is deeply troubled. Anybody deeply troubled this morning? I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman, for I have been praying here out of my great anguish and out of my grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face no longer showed downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to her home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. If you bow your head, let's pray this morning. God, I come before you right now. I bow humbly before you. I thank you, God, for those that have responded this morning to the altar, those responding right now. God, just as Hannah had asked of the Lord through her prayer, through her journey, God, I pray that you would deposit some principles into our walk this morning. God, that we would be encouraged that what you did in the life of Hannah, you can do in the life of each and every one of us here. God, strengthen our prayer life. Let us not be afraid to fall on our knees and ask you for grace, ask you in repentance, restore us, rejuvenate us, Holy Spirit. God, we ask right now that you would stir us. God, that you would show us what a life of prayer is, that we wouldn't neglect it, we wouldn't put it on a back burner, but God, we would, uh, our prayer life would be an everyday journey. It would be something continuous in our lives. God, reveal these truths to us. God, I pray for your people. I intercede for them right now, whether they need healing, whether they need strength, whether there's a trial. God, hear their hearts. God, we believe the song we sang this morning, that we're gonna rest in your faithfulness, that your faithfulness is our confidence. God, we rest in the promises of God right now. Right now, I want you to, to mentally and with your hearts, put your trial in the promises of God. Just whisper to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm placing my trial in your hands right now. And as you're doing that, I believe as we pull this truth from the story of Hannah, you're gonna be encouraged. Jesus, we love you. Minister to us this morning, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. As I said before, uh, we're gonna be talking along the subject. Thank you, Corey. Isn't scripture better when there's some music behind it? I love it. <laughs> We're going to be talking this morning uh, on the thought of going from brokenness to blessedness. Now, I believe this is a journey we see in Hannah that at some point or on a regular basis, we all find ourselves. See, we are a broken people. As Christians, as non-Christians, we all deal with brokenness. But that's why we are thankful that we serve a God who has saved us, and not only has he saved us, but he is on a mission and on a point to heal every part of our lives, that there is a continuous healing to our brokenness when we come into the house of God. And so this morning, I pray wherever you find your brokenness, wherever you find barrenness in your life, 
that you would get some perspective, that you would engage in prayer like you haven't before as, you, as we read through Hannah and her story, and that you would be encouraged, your head would be lifted this morning. But something that really shines bright to me from the story of Hannah is we see, in just a little bit of context, is we see that her husband Elkanah had two wives, Paniah and Hannah. We just read that P- Hannah was not able to conceive, so guess what? He went out and got another wife known as Paniah and, and had babies with her. It's crazy to think that what Hannah could have gone through. Imagine your home, men, having two wives. Some of us have a tough time with one wife, let alone two wives. Thank God we don't believe in polygamy and we don't go by that. Thank God Jesus instituted marriage. But it's crazy to think if you put yourself, and what I want you to do is put yourself in Hannah's situation and what she had to endure and what she had to go through. See, in the context of that time, if you were barren, if you weren't able to have a baby, what a baby represented was legacy and was fulfillment. So what culture and society would label Hannah is an outcast, was no good, couldn't really contribute, she could not, uh, she was barren in her womb. And so Elkanah, when he met and, and married Paniah, it wasn't a dis to Hannah, but Elkanah, see kids in that time would create security. They would watch uh, you in your old age. They would take care of you. So it was a whole different way of thinking about children. Now it's like, okay, I'm married. I'm at this point in my life. Now let's have kids. Kids are great. But then it was a whole different thought process and a whole different uh, upbringing and a whole different way of thinking when bringing children in. And so we see this powerful prayer that Hannah had prayed. And I believe this morning, through her prayer, it's going to encourage your prayer life. How many of you know the importance of a prayer life? That without it, we don't have any power. Without it, we can't connect with God. God gives us prayer. And prayer just doesn't happen in the context of a sanctuary or a church building. Prayer is something that is to be continuous and a part of our everyday lives and a part of our walk. And what I love about this story is what it says in verse four, as Elkanah was preparing the sacrifice, as they traveled into the city, because before the new covenant and the old covenant, we know that sacrifices of animals and, and bloodshed uh, modeled an, an atonement. And when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law and was the perfect sacrifice for us and took what we deserved. But we see this acting in of the old covenant. And we see Elkanah preparing the sacrifice. And here is what is just mind-blowing. And and here in a second, you're going to see a picture of our God and of Jesus and how much he loves us. I love Christology when you can get in the Old Testament and you can see these prophets, these men of God, because they all point to Jesus. When you read the Old Testament with the lens of looking for Jesus, you are going to find him pretty quick. And so we see Elkanah is this picture of a Christ figure, and Hannah is this picture of you and I as, as, as a bride. But we see that Elkanah had prepared the sacrifice, and as it says, he gave a portion to Paniah and to all of her sons and all of, her, all of the daughters. But verse 5 is what is, is the miracle that is taking place, and Elkanah's love 
for Hannah. It says, but to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord, it says, had closed her womb. So what we see here is a picture of Elkanah's love to Hannah. Now, understanding this and and what began just to minister to me as I put this into words is this, is Elkanah's favor was not based on her fruitfulness to him. See, many of us, when we go before God in prayer, we have a, a mixed up image of really how Jesus views us how he sees us, what he wants to hear, what he doesn't want to hear, is he going to judge us? All of these misconceptions, I think, that all of us deal with in different levels and different ways of when we go to approach God in prayer. And so we see, if we don't have this foundation of understanding God's love for us, his pursuit of us, how much he wants to commune with us. See, Hannah, as we read in the scripture, was grieved to the point of bitterness, so she was in a place where she couldn't even receive love. You might have, there might be a season in your life, or maybe you're in it right now, where you can't even receive someone loving you because of how much you feel you've screwed up, you've messed up, you've cheated, whatever. But look at this. Elkanah is consistently showing love, and not only, see what society would say is that you wouldn't do that. You would give the double portion to, to Paniah. But Elkanah gave the double portion, portion, showed favor to his wife, Hannah. What we see here is a beautiful picture of God, and I pray you connect this with your walk and with your story. That whether you feel you've messed up, you've been far from God, you're broken, you're unworthy, God can never love me again, people can never love me again, what we see is favor goes beyond of what we think is fact and how it works. No matter where we are, no matter what we've done, God loves us and he loves us relentlessly and he gives us a double portion even when we don't think we deserve it or it shouldn't be given to us. So Elkanah is this picture of showering this love and this affection on Hannah who does not feel worthy and who doesn't feel she deserves what is being given to her. I love it. Even when she couldn't be fruitful to him, it wasn't based upon that, but his faithfulness to her. You know, I love how favor works as well. And favor simply is an act of kindness beyond that which is due. Is how favor, when it comes to God, is he doesn't give us what we deserve, but what God desires. When you get in prayer, when you get in the chair, as we've talked of last week, guess what? God's going to give you what he desires. We go with our prayer requests, we go with our petitions, but God has a way of reworking a lot of things when we get into his presence and giving us a fresh perspective of what and how we should be praying, and we'll see that here through Hannah's story in just a second. You know, I love Hannah's name literally translated means grace and it means mercy. So she's a picture of God's grace and a picture of God's mercy. Also with favor and understanding how we are God's beloved is favor is not a feeling. So much of Christianity, I think, gets reduced to feelings all the time. But there are some promises that we stand on that feeling cannot touch. And when you get the revelation of moving past how you feel about God or how God feels about you, but what the fact of the matter is, and and better yet, what the truth of the matter is of how God sees you and what the promises are, that's where things begin to change, and that's where your prayer life begins to change. 
is because there's truth that you can stand on. I love it because God favors you and I. We deserve death, but what? He has given us life. We deserve punishment, but Jesus Christ gave us blessing. We deserve curses, but he called them null and void upon our life and gave us a rich inheritance that you can go and read in Ephesians. And so we see this story beginning to play out and this favor that Elkanah's bestowing upon Hannah. I love what it says in verse seven or verse six as we see this strife and this competition that Paniah is jealous of the double portion. Anybody, you've experienced God blessing and then Paniah begins to pop their head up. See, what begins to happen is Whenever you begin to stand on God's promises, you begin pushing through some things, you begin believing God, you begin praying, the enemy will be sure to raise up a Paniah in your life. Paniah represents the doubter. He repre- she represents the critic. She represents the accuser. Look what scripture says. It says that this accusation, this accusing of Hannah went on in verse seven year after year. Maybe you know an accuser or someone uh, who slides in on your DMs or uh, is always there and critical and quick to judge you. I've experienced it. You know, when we stepped into pastorship, there was those that were gung-ho and behind us and you're sitting here this morning, but there were some that said, ah, you're too young or this is, I'm not feeling this. And so there was many a times that we had to get on our knees and on our face and pray and know that this is a calling of God because when you seek to impress people, you're going to fail in anything. But what we see with Hannah is she didn't seek to impress, but she was impressed by God to get on her knees and go to the temple and to begin to pray. You got to allow God to impress you, not try to impress others. You know, prayer isn't religious words. It isn't uh, a certain format. Now, what's neat is, yes, there is structured prayer. There is personal prayer. You pray through scripture. What's amazing is, and maybe you can identify with it on your prayer journey, is personally, I love to open up the Psalms or what could be known as a Psalter. Now, the early church would pray, and they would pray through the Psalms. They would pray the heart of David. And what begins to happen is you take the structure of scripture and you begin to pray through it is what may be David's words then becomes your words, then becomes your heart. That's what happens when you get the word of God deep in you, is they become your words. They're not just David's words anymore, but guess what? They are your words, and they express your love and your heart for God. And so we see Paniah beginning to raise her head, and it went on year after year after year. And look what it says in verse 6 that her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Paniah loves to irritate, loves to get under your skin, loves to provoke you and get you unfocused. So this morning, I wanna look at three qualities we see that God just revealed to me as I was studying in, in, in this word of what we see in Hannah's prayer life that I believe if you can incorporate in yours, you're gonna see some things begin to change this morning. Number one, if you're taking notes as this, is that Hannah prayed from the heart. We read that as she was in the temple, it said that Eli the prophet thought that she was drunk, but she said, no, 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 I don't accuse my character. That, that's not what's happening. I'm praying from my heart. You know what is crazy as well, and what I've seen in my life, and I call it crazy because it is, 
is many times we think our life is broken, we think a situation's broken, something that can't be healed or repaired. In, in Hannah's situation, she was bitter. She was being provoked by Paniah. She was irritated. So guess what? That's where her mind was. And what we see through this, through the passage of Scripture, is that the two things that were provoking her were one, that she was barren, and, was, and number two, is that Paniah was provoking her, was irritating her. So that is where her entire head was. That's where her life was. She got to a place year after year, it says, as she was being provoked, that that's where her, her circle got small. She couldn't see anything else outside of it. Her lens was bitter. And she couldn't see all of God's other blessings in her life. I think that's what the enemy wants to do with you and I. When he raises up a paniah, he gets us off focus of the great things, the blessings, the, the stuff God is doing in our life, and gets us focused right on paniah because that's right where the enemy wants to keep you, keep you down, keep you beat up, keep you worthless. And so we see this shift begin to happen in, Paniah, or in Hannah's prayer life. It says that she stops looking at the critic, and she goes to the temple, and she begins to pray a heart prayer. Now, if you've prayed before, you know the difference between a heart prayer, and you know a difference between, God, help me in this situation. Man, when you get in your chair, and you get in your war room, you get down, and it says that they thought she was drunk. And so, if you take that and compare it to Acts chapter 2, when the, when the church was born, what, did, what happened when the 120 came together and they prayed and the apostles came out of the upper room? Everyone thought that they were drunk. All the haysayers in the crowd said, these people were drunk. And Peter comes forward and says, what? No, no, this is not happy hour. This is not what's going on. But man, the Holy Spirit has filled these people. And I believe that the Holy Spirit was touching Hannah in a beautiful and a powerful way. And it says that it was though her, her lips were moving, but he couldn't hear anything, so her posture was what was revealing this prayer life. And so she had a posture before God. I'm telling you, there's something powerful when you bow low before God, when you, when you lay prostrate before God, and you allow God just to touch you, even in your deep anguish, as Hannah did. So she prayed from the heart. You know, as we talk about this lens and this perspective, many of you need a new perspective. You don't need a new life. You don't need a new marriage. You don't need a new job. You need a new perspective. Now, I do a lot of the weed eating around uh, the property here, and about every year, I have to go and purchase some new goggles and some new glasses, okay? Because when you get weed eating and, and junk and stuff, get your lenses, by the end of mowing season, you can't see a dang thing out of those goggles. And so many times, that's the lens we're looking through. It's not that life is bad and broken. It's just that our lens is screwed up and we can't see anything out of it. And Hannah's lens was so bitter. So everything else in her life was fueled and seen through a lens of bitterness. And so we can't allow ourselves to get to that place. You know what's amazing and why I love this church and why I love Gathering Place is because this is a place that doesn't judge you when you walk in, but this is a place that wants to offer grace and wants to offer forgiveness. And I don't know about you, but there's this lie that we can believe. And there's a time in my life when I believed it is that you can't doubt God. You can't doubt the promises of God. I, I, got, I, I can't show that I'm doubting. You know, we deal with doubt on a daily basis. And I think there's times we doubt what God's word really says, or if that really applies to me, or man, that's great for Hannah, Pastor Garrett, that's great that that happened then, but can that really happen for me? 
See, the lie is it's okay to doubt, but it's not okay to stay to yourself in doubt. It's not okay not to go to the source, which is Jesus Christ, and allow him to heal your doubt. Allow him to speak promises and speak truth to your doubt. See, many times the enemy keeps us isolated, and we stay away from going to the presence of God as Hannah did and allowing the one who can really solve it make a difference. That leads us into what I said is number two is Hannah did not pray to impress people. You see, there's this inward component to her prayer, which was her heart prayer. And then there's this outward where she didn't care what other people said. She didn't care about impressing, but she was impressed by God to go and pray. She didn't care what the priest thought. She didn't care uh, what people were thinking, but she wanted to get with God. And so you see, but she wasn't willing. She didn't come with this mindset of, of, I need people to see me praying. I need people to hear me. I need people to know what's going on. But she went right to the source. And what I think we do many times is, man, we love to talk and we love to complain about our issues, complain about our problems. We love putting it on Facebook. We love letting everybody know about it. And we go to every avenue and exhaust it. We go to people. We go to books. We do everything that in our carnal mind we think can help us. But at the end of the day, until you go to the one that can really solve it, then it's just gonna be talk. You're just gonna find yourself complaining. You know, we all know the scripture in 1 Thessalonians that says pray without ceasing, right? Some of you, when you hear that, you're like, there's no way I could pray without ceasing. Well, I wanna pose is many times you can complain without ceasing. So if you can complain without ceasing, you can pray without ceasing, okay? And simply praying without ceasing isn't, okay, I have to constantly, words have to constantly be coming out of my mouth. Prayer can touch every part of your life. Prayer is, it's constantly just in your spirit and you're praying under your breath or you're in the car, you take advantage of, of quiet spaces and times you have through your day to pray. And so Hannah modeled this, that she wasn't about impressing people, but she was impressed upon God. And I think when it comes to loving one another and, and, and working with each other too, is we can't be quick to judge. See, many could have been quick to judge. Maybe Eli the priest was quick to judge Hannah and what he was seeing and the scene that he was experiencing in her. But many times we judge people's scene, but we don't see the story that they're living out day after day after day. And so when you can be full of grace and full of compassion and full of the love of God, then you look beyond the scene of what, how that person is reacting to your face or maybe beyond the scene of Paniah. What's amazing is, is, is how God began to bless Hannah and, and the, the fulfillment of the promise is a church father by the name of Chrysostom now, what's amazing of John Chrysostom, you'll hear me quote him from time to time, is uh, it's it said of him that Paul was the mouth of Jesus and Chrysostom was the mouth of Paul. So he's got a lot of great truth and a lot of great wisdom and commentary on the scriptures, but he says this one thing. As he says, as you go on, you read the story of what began to happen is the one who was accusing Hannah, the one that was Paniah, through Hannah's humility, through her heart, turned what was an accuser into an intercessor. And so never underestimate your humility and how you walk through a situation and how you bow your posture before God. As people take notice, you're not doing it to impress, 
But guess what? People are going to be impressed and going to see your walk and see your prayer life and say, oh my gosh, I want what that person's have. I see that they just lost a spouse and a death, and this is how they're responding to this. What is it that they have? I need to know. Number three is this, is that she attached her prayer request to God's glory. I love this one. And this is that upward dynamic that we see in her prayer life. Two things happen when we pray. One is this, and we love when this takes place, is one that God will answer our prayer request and work a miracle. We love when we pray, and man, we see God's hand sweep in, and he does a miracle. But many of the times I find myself in this place is this, number two, is God will reveal really what we should be praying when we get in the presence of God. He reveals how we should be praying. Again, that perspective change. When you bow before God in prayer, guess what? He, you begin to get his heart. What do I mean by that? You look at the story of Solomon and the man who asked for wisdom and would be known as, as one of the greatest things ever asked of God. And we know what happens is he asked God for wisdom. What happened? He, the request was granted to Solomon. But it wasn't just the fact that he asked for wisdom. Here's where we see the difference in it and why God answered his prayer is because what he did is he attached his prayer request to God. Yes, he asked for wisdom, but it said that he asked for wisdom so that he could lead God's people. So you see, there was a purpose on the other side of the ask. It just wasn't a selfish request. It wasn't, God, I need this, I need this, I need this. But God, give me wisdom so I can lead my family. Give me wisdom so I can love my spouse. Give me wisdom so I can lead God's people. We also see this in the life of Solomon or Samuel. Samuel was the baby that was given to Hannah, the miracle baby. What's amazing about Samuel is the life and the path that he walked. I challenge you to go and read Samuel and get familiar with his story. But later on, what would begin to happen is uh, Samuel was in that time, in that context between uh, the king and the prophet is that was being formed up in that season, in that time. And Samuel was asked upon to go and find the next king. And so what does he do? He goes to the house of Jesse, right? And he says, Jesse, bring all of your sons. I need to see them, and we need to anoint a king. If you know the story, what happens is Jesse brings and lines up all seven of his sons and says, this one is full of wisdom and begins just bragging on his kids. Parents, you all love bragging on your kids. And so he begins bragging on all of his kids, and, and Samuel says, this isn't, there, is there somebody else? This, I'm not feel, this isn't what needs to happen. And he says, well, yeah, I have an eighth son, but he's out in the fields tending sheep, and there's really not much. He's really not going to offer a whole lot. So what happens? You know the story that he goes and he gets David, who's out in the field, being faithful, tending his father's sheep. David comes in, and right there, God speaks to Samuel and says, he's the one that's to be king. You see, if we never had Hannah's prayers, if we never, if she never pursued God like she did, then guess what? We would have never had Samuel. If we would have never had Samuel, then David would have never been anointed king. And guess who's in the bloodline of David? Jesus Christ. So don't tell me when you begin to pray or God begins to burden your heart, see, we just, 
God doesn't work a lot of the times in a quick, easy fix, but he invites us into a process. He invites us into a journey, and the enemy is going to do, your spiritual enemy, Satan, is going to do everything he can to keep you from ever standing on the promises of God, from ever seeing the fulfillment of Hannah, or the fulfillment like God gave Samuel to Hannah. And what it says, too, is it says that God actually orchestrated it where he closed the womb of Hannah. Many times we think when there's trial, tribulation in our life, oh, it's the devil, it's the enemy. But many times when you get in the presence of God, you begin to see maybe God is working something through this and maybe my pain, if I allow it to drive me to my knees and to God, then there can be a gain in my life. I'm telling you, this is how it works. And so we see what can happen when we attach our prayer request to God's glory. I want to leave you with this this morning as you're attaching your prayer request to God's glory. Is John the Baptist another one who did this? Is his heart who led a revival in a desert? If you read the Gospels, he prepared the way of Jesus. His confession and his prayer was this, is that he may increase and I may decrease. I'm telling you, when you have a humility in your prayer life and in your walk with God, it, it, it attracts God and it makes you willing to listen to God. Not God, this is what I want. God, this is what I want to do. But sometimes when you pray, it's good just to go and sit in your chair and say, God, I'm just listening today. What do you have to say to me? And I bet you he will speak. And so this morning, I want to pray with you. If you bow your heads. I want you to be encouraged through this story of Hannah. Father, we ask you right now, God, whatever the facts we hear in our life of a doctor's report, we just found out we were diagnosed with something. God, we're in a tough financial situation. Our kids are far from God. Our marriage is in a rough spot. Maybe we've been believing for healing year after year after year. We see the Panayas in our life who keep accusing and who keep reminding us of our pain. God, I speak to the Panayas in your people's lives, God, that you would shut the voice of her. And God, the way that it's shut is when they get before you in your presence and in prayer, where Panaya can keep yakking, but you're so full of God's truth that you've learned how to tune her out. So God, I pray that you would give us the spiritual discipline of prayer, of fasting, of going and kneeling before you as Hannah did. And as you're speaking to us, you're beginning to change our heart toward prayer. We're not doing it to, be, uh, to impress people or to give us a false piety of that, uh, I have this spiritual pride or whatever. But God, that it would be so impressed upon us to go straight to you. And God, as we go straight to you, we're gonna begin to connect our prayer request to your glory. Hannah's heart was this. It wasn't to say, give me a son so I can show everyone how wrong they were. It was give me a son so that he can serve you all the days of your life. God, I asked that you would reveal to us what your plan is for our life and what you are requiring of each and every one of us. Because God, our lives are vessels flow through us. We want to bring you glory, not just on Sundays, but every part of our life. God, condition us, train us, show us how this walk is, and let us take the heart of Hannah into our prayer life. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, I pray you're blessed by this story. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed. For more messages like this one, check out our website at gatheringplacechurch.com.